why he came all the way up here. There's nothing left. There are people out there. People worth saving. Hello and welcome to the Weekly Reel Podcast. My name is Ken. And my name is Jeremy. And this week we are, oh man, we're watching another thriller. <laughs> I don't know if I, if my heart can take uh, too many more of these uh, kind of movies, man, because uh, when Jeremy and I watched the uh, A Quiet Place Part 2 in theaters last Friday, uh, I remember mentioning to Jeremy, I was like, dude, uh, that was so intense. I could not really enjoy it too much. Yeah, but that's you, a good thing, actually. <laughs> did you feel me jumping in my seat sometimes? <laughs> yeah, dude, it was pretty crazy. Uh, but uh, I mean, we'll we'll talk about A Quiet Place Part 2. But before we do that, let's get right into our podcast ritual. And so, uh, Jeremy, what is one notable movie or TV show that you've watched in the last week? So I haven't been watching anything too new, but I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this show on the podcast before. I, I totally forgot, but it's Superman and Lois. It finally came back from its break, and I've been uh, keeping up with it once again. I just watched episode eight, I think, of season one so far, so halfway in the first season now, and it's still really good. <laughs> Every episode I watch, I'm always like, oh, here comes the episode that it just goes downhill. <laughs> <laughs> and um it's so far it i think the last episode episode eight wasn't the best um but it's still really good compared like compared to some expectations i had so i i still feel like it has a long way to go in terms of reaching smallville expectations but it's in terms of like uh fulfilling like my superman uh like wants i think it's definitely doing that so that uh, Pete Ross uh, gum episode hasn't dropped yet <laughs> in Superman and Lois? Not yet, man. I'm still waiting for it. <laughs> because, you know, that's going to be the highlight of the season. You know, you know, there's a prom- promo of, what, Trident gum, I think it was. <laughs> yeah, it was something, I, I forget what the, the gum was. But, yeah, it just was, it was unique, <laughs> to say the least. Oh, my goodness. That, I have, like, flashbacks <laughs> of, of that freaking pete ross episode but yeah so far honestly um this version of superman i really like it's a it's a mix of like a more mature darker superman like henry cavill or something but also a mix of the more hopeful and um kind of fun you know uh christopher reeve superman you know smallville-esque yeah 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 because i i mean from time to time um i will watch the uh at least the first two uh, Christopher Reeve movies, because those first two are really quality. It obviously just looks really dated because, I mean, it is really dated. Yeah. Uh, but uh, for me, I usually like if I really want my kind of like hopeful, just like you said, like um, Superman fix, I usually will go and watch uh, Smallville just because, I mean, just like you, I, I was a huge fan of it during its original run. Um, I actually haven't watched any episodes lately, but I'm waiting for 
really the off season when I, I can actually just kind of take my time and just watch whatever I want to watch. Um, and uh, I already know that during our off season, uh, off season, I'll definitely get jump right back into Smallville and start where I left off, which is midway through season two. Because man, th- we're still in quality territory. No uh, Pete Ross gum episode yet. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I definitely recommend you watch uh, Superman Lois, though, because I just feel like, you know, it, as we got older, Superman got older now, too, you know, in the show, he's a dad and all that stuff. And I feel like, you know, we can relate more to his character. If I were to describe it, it's almost take take Su- um, Clark at the end of Smallville, where he's, you know, more, more mature and all that stuff and older, uh, but still hopeful. And take that version and put him in the Man of Steel like universe. I think that's what it feels like. Mm. So you get that hopeful, kind of um, jokey, uh, kind of dorky Superman. But then he's in this dark world. So it's like he's having that almost like Captain America and uh, the Winter Soldier, I guess. Mm-hmm. Where uh, there's that juxtaposition between a very hopeful character and then a dark, grim world. Mm. is this still uh streaming on hbo max i remember it was uh, a few weeks ago when you initially mentioned it i think it still might be okay okay i'll definitely see if it's uh still there but i might i might watch that in the off season um mm. along with uh smallville or whatever kind of go back and forth and you know do that whole compare and contrast thing i'll let you know if it goes downhill <laughs> yeah for sure for sure uh but for me this week i mean i i did start a I don't I don't want to say a new show, but it's a new show for me. Uh, I'll mention that on a future episode of the Weekly Reel because I only watched one episode and I feel like I need to watch a, like a couple more. Um, so that's kind of like the teaser. And for this week, only because, you know, it just uh, premiered last Thursday. And I remember we talked about it in the episode in an episode of the Newsreel uh, a couple of weeks ago. I do want to mention that I did watch the Friends, the reunion special on HBO Max. Uh, like I got home fairly late on a th- on last Thursday night when it did premiere, uh, but I still took the time to watch all one hour and forty three minutes. Uh, by the time I finished, it was almost one one a.m., and uh, I basically sacrificed that sleep. But uh, I kind of wanted to get a cu- in, into a couple of things, uh, stuff that I liked and stuff that I didn't. Mm, nice. I'll start with, wait, actually, I'll leave it up to you. What, which one do you think I should start with? Uh, I would probably go with the bad first, just because, right. you know, end with some good news, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're right. You're right. I was actually thinking about starting with the bad, but things I, a uh, couple things that I did not like, James Corden. Um, Jeez, it felt out of place and really forced i felt like his i mean his energy is good for certain things i just didn't like it for this friends reunion at all um i think it would have been better had they brought someone like a jay leno because he was hosting the tonight show on nbc while friends was in in its heyday while it was actually on air and uh, I also could have done without all the famous people uh, cameos that really didn't have any relation with the show. They didn't they weren't on the show or anything like that. So um, I felt like and I'll get to the good part. I felt like that time could have been best served where I mean, they did show some regular fans and how um, regular fans of the show and how it the show affected them in a positive way. 
And I felt like they could have just um, they could have just showcased more stories like that because I felt like um, it would because I felt like Friends was a show for the fans. And so I felt like they could have done that more. Uh, But I really did like the parts that they did show. Also, anything that was related to uh, the show, the actors, the creators, and uh, basically all the behind the scenes stuff and all the stories that none of us really knew and the bloopers, obviously, it's, it's just it was just so nostalgic um, just to watch everything. And I, I really did get the feels watching the reunion. And I felt like it, it would be like you watching uh, a reunion special on one of your favorite shows, uh, especially like, um, you know, I think you were talking about uh, what was it the Disney show? Oh, uh, Sweet Life and Zack. Sweet Life, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I think you would appreciate it like that because it, you kind of grew up watching that show, and it, it'll kind of bring back a little bit of your childhood, or you know, like when you were younger. Like for me, it was like when I was in high school. Yeah, definitely. I probably, you know, Full House is probably the one I would have said too. I think I mentioned yeah. it, but you yeah. know, they made their own thing. But anyway, yeah. Did they have Jean Claude Van Damme on there? <laughs> Unfortunately, no, I was, see, and I felt like they could, they could have, um, brought more cameos related to the actual show. They had like the main ones, like, you know, Tom Selleck, um, they had Gunther while he was a recurring, um, thing, but they, um, who else did they have? They, I mean, they, they mentioned like people like Julia Roberts and even Brad Pitt, even though obviously, you know, the whole Jen Aniston thing, (laughs) he was actually mentioned, but obviously they didn't, um, have him there. Oh, they had Janice, too. <laughs> that was pretty cool. So uh, if you had to choose, since you saw both of them, which reunion is better, the Fresh Prince or Friends? Um, I felt like the structure of Fresh Prince was better just because it left out all the extra fluff of James Corden because uh, <laughs> I really did not like that part of it. Um. But I mean, it, I guess it initiated the fact that, you know, they were able to talk about like the on-screen romance or the, I don't know about the romance or whatever, but both um, David Schwimmer and, and Jen Aniston actually had crushes on each other. And they really did like each other during the time when they were uh, in the beginning of the show so that when they finally had that first kiss as Ross and Rachel, it actually, you, that's why you felt it because that was like, real like emotion real passion and everything because they really did like each other but things just didn't work out timing wise between the two of them in real life no brad pitt (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. uh but um i like i I did like the structure of fresh prince one better so like if they would have had that structure with friends that would have been like so good Ooh, okay yeah well you should watch the fresh prince one for sure oh yeah I definitely will check that one because that one I probably watched Fresh Prince more than Friends. I think. Yeah, I think it's good, and I don't want to. I don't even want to talk about spoilers on that. Just in case you do watch it and you decide to share that on on the ritual. All right, you might have. I might have to share that later on this season. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, before we continue with our episode, let's do a little bit of episode cleanup. Uh, last week, episode thirty-one, we did talk about. Army of the Dead, which is still currently out on Netflix, uh, directed by Zack Snyder. Yes, that's Zack Snyder. And so we ran a poll uh, this past Tuesday. And so, Jeremy, what was the poll? It was, what is your favorite modern 
zombie movie. So four of the choices choices we had were Army of the Dead, Shaun of the Dead, both Zack Snyder movies, Train to Busan, and 28 Days Later. And then we had a couple of write-in votes as well. We had uh, World War Z and Warm Bodies. But ultimately, at 40%, Train to Busan took the win. Oh, it was your um, your uh, favorite zombie movie. Yeah. It, dude, if you haven't seen it before, you would. I would definitely recommend checking it out. It has more heart than you would expect for a zombie movie. But if you're just going into it looking for zombies, you'll definitely get that too. Oh, okay. I mean... I, I think it's on your list for future movies, so maybe we might have that for season three, perhaps. Mm, bit of a teaser, season three, maybe, if it if it fits in. If maybe, it fits in, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe Halloween, I don't know. Uh, we'll see, we'll see. Maybe, yeah, future ep- uh, October episode, we'll see. But I uh, just want to remind everyone uh, that uh, we do run these polls every Tuesday on Instagram and Twitter. And so, uh, Jeremy, what is our handles on the social medias? It's going to be at Weekly Real on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes, sir. And so, this week, we are catching up with the surviving members. A little bit of a spoiler for (laughs) the first The Quiet Place. We are catching up with the surviving members of the Abbott family in their search for a new safe haven. What dangers lie ahead in the sequel to the 2018 breakout hit, A Quiet Place Part 2? And so, uh, like every week, we want to issue our customary spoiler warning. Uh, We are going to be talking about uh, plot points. We're going to be talking about a lot of different uh, details from the movie. And so, uh, A Quiet Place Part 2, it's breaking post-pandemic records, or pandemic records, I should say. It's out in theaters now. Especially if you are vaccinated or uh, are comfortable watching a movie in the theaters, I, I mean, we highly recommend it. I feel like we both liked it. And so, um, yeah, you'll see why in just a little bit. And so, Jeremy, <laughs> I mean, uh, A Quiet Place Part 2 was supposed to come out over a year ago. And so, with this delay, do you think it affected your expectations of this movie? I think it it actually going into this uh obviously watching it in 2021 uh I wasn't as excited to watch it as I was in 2020. I think uh I shared the the first one with my brother about a couple weeks before uh the second one was supposed to come out in 2020 mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, all right, bro, we're going to watch the first one. Then we're going to see the second one a couple weeks from now and you know, he liked it as well, the first one." And then, obviously, everything shut down, couldn't watch it, everything got pushed back, and then now, I got, I don't think I was ex- that excited for it now, And uh, but I still have to say, compared to Army of the Dead, for sure, I'd, <laughs> I for sure like this one much better than Army of the Dead, uh, compared to last week's thriller, and just, uh, I felt so tense <laughs> watching this movie, and you know how I watched this movie. I was like, okay, I'm going to eat my popcorn hella fast. <laughs> and you, I had a little bit of strategy, right? Instead of getting popcorn, you get a little bit of candy that's not too loud. I didn't even get crunch. 
I got I got the cookie dough covered chocolates. Cookie dough covered no. Chocolate covered cookie dough. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. I had one. It was really good. And you even got one that was in the freezer section. Yeah. And I, I just knew I'm like, okay, nothing too loud. And I was correct because when I heard someone trying to open like their nacho bag or oh, whatever, dude. It's, like, <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't hear it. And uh, which is funny because people would try to do that during the dialogue scenes because <laughs> the part when it kind of dies down in terms of suspense is when it, there's actual dialogue, which there's very little of in the first one and yep. still not that much in this one. So. Yep. And, and you get some dialogue. The, the times when you get dialogue, it would be whispers. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're like whispering. It's like, he can't hear us. Or it, it can't hear us. There's concrete walls. It's like, oh, oh man, is this ASMR? <laughs> I know. It's like, okay, Killian Murphy. <laughs> yeah, I, it's like, I'm, I know a, a, bu- a bunch of girls would like Killian Murphy to do ASMR for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I was actually like you. I actually had that same um, strategy because I didn't want to be that guy just crunching on popcorn during <laughs> the uh, during the uh, quiet play, uh, the quiet, uh, suspenseful scenes. Um, and that's why I actually got um, what did I get? Sour gummy worms. So that that those are our, um, our snack choices. I I like popcorn and I like sour candy. Um, and I think Jeremy gra- kind of gravitate towards uh, chocolate chocolate yeah that's me chocolate and popcorn yeah but you know what for me i I was a little bit of the opposite you know i think because last year um i felt like it was you know two years after um the first a quiet place came out it was more like okay it's coming out i'll watch it in in the in in uh, the theaters or whatever i'm pretty pumped about it but I felt like the extra year just added more anticipation for me. Um, and it's because, you know, we really haven't had a huge, huge, huge uh, blockbuster release other than for me, Tenet. I think this is the biggest movie, in my opinion, since Tenet. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. Am I missing another like huge blockbuster um, probably not because I like Wrath of Man, um, Mortal Kombat aren't very God, big. Godzilla versus Kong is kind of big, but I mean, I still consider a quiet place. I was definitely anticipating that more. Probably Godzilla versus Kong is probably the biggest in terms of like budget and all that stuff. I mean, Army of the Dead had a huge budget also, but not as big as God Godzilla versus Kong. Right. And so I feel like for me, it added that extra added anticipation of, dude, we've been waiting for this movie for over a year and I want to see it now. And I was a huge fan of the first one. I saw the first one in theaters also. Um, and I think I may have actually seen it twice. It was that good to me. And I was able to watch it uh, with different uh, a different group uh, the second time, but it was with uh, people that that hadn't seen it. So I was like, ooh, I, I could kind of anticipate, you know, the the kind of the jump scares and everything. So I would kind of watch uh, who I was watching. I just wanted to see their reactions. And it was uh, even more entertaining for me. And so for me, it was just all about that same feeling that we got and just kind of continuing that whole uh, experience and following 
the adventures of of uh, Emily Blunt and her family. Yeah, I, f- I like how the movie also kind of transitions pretty seamlessly from the first one to the second one. It literally is a part two um, and looks like they're going to try to do a part three part as three? well. Yeah, because they kind of left that. it. Yeah, they left it like, okay, they survived that part and it was like, oh, the movie's done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and... Now they have, uh, you know, a bit of a weapon against the creatures. But, dude, like, I feel like this movie, we got more shots of the creature. And they're fast, man. And there's a lot of them. Yeah. We got more wide shots. And I felt like that was pretty cool. And it felt like at times that it could be one of those uh, uh, virtual, like, rides that you would, you know, ride during, uh, (laughs) I guess, at Disneyland or or, or any other amusement park. I felt like that could have been a ride, especially in the uh, the prologue. Dude, freaking the opening sequence is so good in this movie. I think, you know, you already know what's going to happen, essentially. Uh, but it, it it's a good way of bringing you back into that world while still expanding it. Right, exactly. It was it was definitely intense, and obviously we'll get into more intense parts of the movie a little bit later on in this episode. And so, um, I mean, was uh, was there any overall thoughts that you had on the movie? Um, it, it could be specific parts of it, or just kind of the overall feel. Yeah, I, I felt like for some, I don't know if it's just because Killian Murphy was in it. I got 28 Days Later vibe <laughs> because <laughs> just because him running around with like dirty clothes and all that stuff, running away from monsters, it, I got that vibe. Um, but overall, I don't think the second one, at least to me, was as good as the first one, but it's still a solid sequel. I think if I were to compare it to a, a, another franchise, it would be John Wick 2. Compared to John Wick 1. Ooh, don't say that, because I thought the second one was better than the first one. Really? All right. I mean... I, I don't think that's too uh, too much of a hot take, but... Yeah. Um, I feel like the first one was good, because it set up everything, but I felt like they did... In my opinion, I felt like the second one was bigger and better. Yeah, hopefully they don't do a John Wick Parabellum. I'm not saying that movie's that bad, but compared to the first two, mm-hmm. you know... But I, hopefully, at least that's how I felt about um, A Quiet Place Part 2. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, the huge difference between the first two was, uh, I mean, we got John Krasinski in the prologue uh, because they did that flashback to day one of when all this started happening. I mean, really, you're essentially comparing uh, John Krasinski and uh, Killian Murphy, you know, uh, Lee... Um, Lee Abbott versus Emmett. They didn't mention his last name, did they? <laughs> I don't think they did. Yeah. So, I mean, like, how would you kind of uh, compare the two, um, you know, with uh, Lee Abbott in the first one versus uh, Emmett in this second one? I, I feel like they're just two very different characters. Uh, they have very two different goals, but they were still protectors of Regan, you know, the daughter. Mm. And in a way... He was a bit reluctant because obviously he had his own family and obviously there was that um, bit of a jump scare with the the corpse yeah. upstairs and was that a warehouse or something? 
Yeah, it was. I don't know if it was a warehouse. I was thinking maybe it looked like a foundry. You know, like it looked mm-hmm. like a, an episode out of uh, Smallville, like that. You know, which one <laughs> I'm talking about. Uh, but it just looked kind of similar to that because it had like vaults and stuff. Where uh, obviously, after a, a certain amount of time, it would you would run out of oxygen uh, if you were inside. Yeah, I, the closest thing I would probably compare the two it would be like. Emmett says as if uh, Lee lost like all hope pretty much. Mm-hmm. Lee, he was definitely like much more inventive, uh, a little bit more hopeful. Whereas Emmett, he was super broken down and lost everything. Yeah. It's almost like if, if Lee lost his family. Yeah. I mean, I actually really did like uh, uh, Killian Murphy's uh, uh, character because obviously he was downtrodden. He probably lost a lot of hope. I think they alluded to the fact that people changed after you know this whole thing happened i would imagine because you know everyone's looking to survive but people kind of deal with that whole thing and survival in a different way and obviously you know we've watched uh, the walking dead or other post-apocalyptic uh, uh tv shows or movies and people will change you'll get to see the you know the true character of uh, of someone uh when the chips are down like that yeah, so I, I like how they introduced that character for sure. Yeah, and, and I felt like the main thing that was so good, actually in both, and I felt like the first one did a good job with this, and for sure this second one did. Dude, no filler. An hour and a half, basically, of just like, uh, you know, like setting up like story, you know, character development, and when they weren't doing that, nothing but suspense, man. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah, and I love how they expand the world, but it's, it doesn't feel forced, like yeah. overcomplicated exposition or like just, you know, when um, Emmett and Evelyn were talking, whispering in the foundry and all that stuff. It's like, you know, people out there, they're changed. They're not good people, pretty much. And mm-hmm. then later on, we get to see the type of people <laughs> that mm-hmm. one might encounter in the outer world. And in that way, it expands the universe, but also brings that the story all together. Right, exactly. And we'll definitely get into kind of the specifics uh, a little bit later on. But uh, before we get into um, like, you know, our awards, because we, we, you know, we'll, we'll get into those like we normally would. Uh, let's get right into our uh, topics. And so this first one, I mean, we we've kind of introduced it this season here in season two. We're going to bring it back for A Quiet Place Part Two. It's binge or cringe. And so, uh, Jeremy, uh do you want to uh, mention one moment that uh, made A Quiet Place Part 2 binge-worthy? Uh, binge-worthy? Dude, uh, like we talked about it already, I think the introduction of Emmett it was a pretty highlight to me because I didn't... I wasn't too worried about like the rest of the family or anything like that. Or the, Actually, I wasn't too worried about the story. I felt like uh, John Krasinski wrote it really well in the first one. It was simple, straight to the point, and I feel like he had a clear vision on how he wanted to do the second part. So I wasn't too worried about that. But the fact that you're going to introduce a new uh, male, older character, almost like a male lead, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, to take place of Lee Abbott, not necessarily as a new father figure or anything, but in that same in that same role, kind of. Uh, is a bit risky, but I feel like he pulled it off for it to have not too much too much similarity to to Lee, but at the same time, um, 
a different type of father figure. Yeah, because I mean, when they kind of introduced or uh, reintroduced, I should say, because you know, obviously, they showed him, uh, you know, fairly uh, quickly in the prologue as you know a, a family friend. Uh, you know, they introduced them, and you're like, uh, you know, I, I felt like uh, most people made the connection. It's like, oh, you know, the guy in the mask, the guy wearing the mask is uh, Killian Murphy. It's Emmett, and um, and you're thinking, it's like, is he? gonna play a villain or is he gonna play like a pro protective uh father figure just like you were talking about um and so i felt like they actually set that up pretty well because even i wasn't um totally sure how they would play that character because you know he's kind of scary looking i mean he's got the the full beard and everything he looks downtrodden and everything and um i just thought they did a really good job with uh his uh character buildup. Yeah, and for sure, because there's that little uh, spot of doubt from Regan where he possibly ran away with the device or the hearing aid and all that stuff. It's like, oh, dang. And yeah, like there is that that doubt with uh, Killian Murphy's character because Killian Murphy has played so many type of characters before. He's played villains. He's played the protagonist. So uh, it it was kind of good that they casted him because he could have gone either way and yeah, I didn't know either. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So I, I really did like that casting choice of Killian Murphy. Uh, for me, I guess the binge-worthy, uh, I don't want to say it's a moment, but I felt like the um, you mentioned John Krasinski and you know him directing and everything. I felt like the genius concept from the first uh, A Quiet Place that was introduced, uh, it's still so simple. But yet it's still so effective where they use silence to just build up tension. Like, you know, obviously, you know, you just you like from the fact that the the whole Abbott family still doesn't wear shoes, which I thought was like, pretty, you know, it's a nice continue um, shows some nice con- continuity. I thought it was actually pretty funny that Emmett was wearing shoes the whole time and he didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he's got too much noise, man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I guess he's got softer. Uh, I, uh, I guess he doesn't have heavy feet, but I just feel like the, just the, the overall concept of just silence is what builds the tension. Usually with these kind of movies, people uh, like directors or they, tend to go oh let's go bigger and badder you know they feel like that you know explosions and stuff like that and this is the complete opposite and so i felt like you know i got again i think i mentioned it last week on our army of the dead uh episode i was getting a lot of the walking dead vibes with the whole you know like some more uh, more of the quieter moments and everything and how they would kind of build uh the tension that in that regard they even would do that even on the quieter moments when they're just having quote unquote dialogue scenes, even though they're whispering. Um, and it just made it seem like, um, you know, that they're, you know, these creatures are just, just so badass. They're, you know, like they're going to tear you apart. And I'm glad that they showed like the, the, like that kind of the introduction in the prologue. But one of the things that I'm really glad about, and we we're talking about the walking dead, you know how, like we were talking about how, we hated the fact that they started making humans as the big bad. Mm-hmm. I'm still really glad that they made, you know, they reemphasize that the creatures are still the yeah. threat. 
the threat. They didn't, they, I mean, they had like some humans, but really the threat is still these creatures. Yeah, I'm so glad about that too because they could have easily gone the route of, oh, let's make uh, the the humans the bad guys. And of course, there will be humans that are the bad guys, but it's like turning um, the Predator, for example, as has been a franchise that they've done the same thing. Uh, for example, the Alien versus Predator movies, they made more human bad guys. It's like, ah, oh, this just... and. Those movies were not good either. Uh, so obviously keeping the suspense and the villainy to the monsters, I think was key to make it really still feel like a quiet place. Exactly, exactly. Um, did you want to mention one thing or one moment that made A Quiet Place uh, Part 2 cringeworthy? You know what we? <laughs> oh man, you already know what I'm going to talk about, man. Because we we've talked about it, right? <laughs> we were oh, yeah. uh, we were cringing about it in the th- movie theater, and I'm pretty sure it was meant for everyone to be cringing at. It's uh, the son Marcus, yeah. dude. Everything that kid was doing, <laughs> literally everything, man. But for me, okay, there was the obviously there was the door, him closing the iron door. And it oh. completely locking himself in. But even more than that, I think was more cringy was it seemed like he was hogging the oxygen from the baby. <laughs> I was like, what a jerk, dude. You're going to freaking let your wait. Was it a boy or a girl? I forget. I want to say it's a baby boy because I felt like they uh, like in the first one when um, uh, when Emily Blunt. What's her ca- character's name again? Evelyn, I think. Evelyn. Yeah, Evelyn. Uh, when she gave birth, it, it, they made it seem like uh, the baby boy was the replacement for the son that they lost. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, so when freaking Marcus was stealing the oxygen from the baby boy, then I was like, dude, this is messed up, man. It's like out of everybody, he had to freaking close the iron door and then he started stealing oxygen just to survive. Obviously, you, dude, you got a bigger body than that baby. You're going to, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> dude, that was pretty. Cool. And you know what? I'll even take it to the, I guess, the scenes before. The fact that he was just like, okay, I'm going to put down the baby and I'm just going to just roam around and just uh, just walk around and do whatever. And I don't know. I was like, oh, what are you doing? Why are you leaving the baby? You know, like you're still really young yourself, even though obviously he's definitely aged from part one to part two in yeah. real life. I'm like, oh, my I, I goodness. I thought they recasted him. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he looked like he went through puberty, obviously, when he was screaming uh, after he got his foot caught in that bear trap. And he was like his I felt like his voice was changing. He was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah when he was roaming the foundry and obviously he found the corpse there i was like did you do you really have to scream like you you've been at this for at least you've been over a year all right of silence i'm pretty sure even though you saw something scary especially with what you've gone gone through the last what few days or so you're gonna try to learn how not to scream <laughs> <laughs> you know and yeah that was just really cringy on his part when when we saw him like i heard you on to my left <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> when he started walking around i was like no why <laughs> what are you doing man yeah man his uh 
his decision making was questionable to to put it nicely but i will say this without those questionable decisions that he made i felt like the intensity levels wouldn't be as high and so actually <laughs> i feel like in a weird way he's like the mvp of of the movie <laughs> because i mean he did have i feel like the biggest story arc of the movie because from when he where he started even um what on day one uh, in the prologue really um his mom was telling him it's like hey breathe you know like he was i felt like you know they laid those bread uh crumbs you know for obviously he's still a boy a young boy i keep trying to rem- remember it's like okay you can't be too hard on him he's yeah. still a young boy but man you're like dude <laughs> Yeah, some of those like it's it's kind of obvious, man. Don't go out there; just stay downstairs. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's get right into our next topic. And so, you know, last week we did talk about Army of the Dead, and you know, these po- post-apocalyptic worlds. Um, you know, obviously with these big bads. You know, last week it was zombies and the alpha zombies, and this week we got uh, these unnamed creatures. We still don't know what they're called. And so, Jeremy, I just wanted to pose this hypothetical um to you so which universe do you think you'd be able to stay alive longer uh the universe within a quiet place or within the contained walls of las vegas in the army of the dead universe uh just thinking about that man because thinking about the zombies from army of the dead where they have their like hierarchy and it's just i i don't I feel like I would last longer in a quiet place. I think I'm better at being quiet. I'm pretty light on my feet. I have that lower low center of gravity for being a short person. Uh, <laughs> so I feel like I'm I'm pretty light on my feet. Um, but I don't know sign language, <laughs> so <laughs> I I have to try to learn that real quick. Um, and in Army of the Dead, I feel like I would be so scared. I think I've had this fear of being eaten by a zombie or just cannibalized i think mm-hmm. it just scares me so much um and i don't think i would be like strong enough like dave batista to take down that many zombies or chambers <laughs> or chambers to take down basically like dozens and dozens of zombies by herself yeah um you know the when i was thinking about it i was just like man um it would be nice to be not confined within Las Vegas, you know, obviously, you know, in a quiet place. Um, and, but I was thinking about, I was like, do I really want to venture out too much? I mean, obviously I'd venture out to go on supply runs and everything, uh, just like, uh, Evelyn was doing, uh, for her baby, you know, looking for oxygen masks and stuff, uh, uh, oxygen tanks, I should say. Uh, but you know, the more, the, the more I think about it, I feel like I would probably, survive longer by default in army of the dead in vegas and here's why dude i feel like i would die in my sleep because i'm a snorer i snore pretty (laughs) loud and i feel like if i don't if i'm not able to find like a a vault or some sort of place that is um i guess um you know it'll kind of dampen the sound or whatever i feel like me just falling asleep especially if i'm tired of walk uh, tired from walking and stuff Dude, I'm just going to like snore and then I would just die in my sleep because I would get, <laughs> get tore, <laughs> tore apart uh, by these creatures. And then plus, dude, I feel like I'm pretty clumsy. So I feel like I'd like drop something. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> oh, damn, there we go. 
<laughs> so I feel like I, I'd be worse than uh, Marcus. <laughs> Actually, I, I Marcus would definitely outlive me. I don't know, man. <laughs> Marcus, though, is doing some some dumb stuff sometimes. Right. And, and you know what? I feel like I can, um, I don't know, bully someone and try to make a sacrifice for the, uh, with the, the alphas. And I feel like if Gita was able to survive a couple of days or whatever, I, can, I think I could do the same thing. I still don't know how those, like Gita and some of her friends survived. I still don't know why they kept them there. Do you know <laughs> yes. why? No, it was just kind of dumb. Come on, Zack Snyder, be better. I don't know, plot holes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, you know what? This is the part where we would like to involve our audience. And so it's kind of a similar question, uh, Jeremy, uh, for our audience. It's which universe would you rather live in? Would you rather live in A Quiet Place or in the universe of Army of the Dead? And so, uh, Jeremy, how can they get back to us? So I would recommend you get back to us on Twitter at Weekly Real. You can either DM us there, private message, or you can tweet us at Weekly Real. Or if you want to email us at Weekly Real Podcast at Comcast.net. Right? Dang. Again? Well, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no. Actually, um, wait, Comcast is still around, right? Uh, yeah, you know what? I do see um, them around. But no, we are not at Comcast.net. We are at gmail.com, but more specifically, weeklyrealpod at gmail.com. So, Jeremy, let's take a quick break. All right, welcome back from the break. And so, Jeremy, let's get right into our weekly real awards. And so, actually, you know what? Batting um, leadoff, we are going to introduce a brand new award. And uh, I'm actually calling this one, Jeremy, the That Shield Doesn't Belong to You Award. And this is for most intense scene. And so, the reason why we are um, introducing this award. I feel like it's, in my opinion, the most iconic, intense scene from the MCU, uh, the end uh, battle between uh, Iron Man and Captain America uh, with Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, and it's from Captain America Civil War. And so, Jeremy, who do you want to give our uh, first That Shield Doesn't Belong to You award to? To me, I think the most intense scene would be probably be when the creatures are like closing in especially on marcus because he's i don't know he was he got stuck in there you know and they're about to kill marcus and him and marcus um marcus and the baby are running out of air i feel like that was the most intense scene because um i don't it didn't seem like emily blunt's character was about to pull it off or anything it's like oh shoot and obviously she got injured it's like, oh man, here we go. What's gonna happen? I feel like that scene. I almost thought that em- Emily Blunt was gonna die. Uh, Evelyn, the mom. I was like, oh no, here we go. Gonna lose another parent. It's like, oh, it's just gonna be like the first one. But hopefully, luckily, they didn't do that because I feel like that would just been repetitive. But yeah, I felt like that was the most intense scene to me. Actually, you know what? We kind of agree. But I'm I'm actually mentioning the entire scene because I don't know if you remember during around this time, uh, maybe even a little bit before uh, the scene that you're talking about, 
they they actually did a really good job editing. It, it was basically how um, they spliced together three different perspectives. Remember, they would cut to um, Emmett and uh, and Regan, and then they would then cut to uh, Emily Blunt, kind of getting you know going on that supply run, and then they would cut to uh, Marcus doing <laughs> Marcus things. <laughs> and so um, I felt like during this time, you know, Emmett and Regan were on the dock. Um, and then, um, again, I mentioned, you know, Marcus with the baby and, and, uh, Evelyn going on, on that supply run. But remember during this time, they ran into, uh, Emmett and Regan run into those uh, people and that trap and everything. And then that's when, you know, you get that whole kind of callback to the prologue where that, that one quick interaction about how, Hey, how do you say, uh, dive in, in sign language? And it came in useful. I thought that that was really good storytelling uh, because they were able to kind of connect day one to where they were currently at. Um, And then, you know, the fact that, um, you you know, how you're talking about how we didn't know uh, if Marcus was going to survive and you didn't know if Evelyn was going to survive, but uh, I thought that was pretty cool to be able to have Evelyn use the sprinkler system as a way to kind of mask the sound and everything. And it was pretty cool to be able to see, her, uh, you know, play around with the oxygen mask or uh, oxygen gas. I keep saying mask for some reason. And, and you know, she, the fact that she shot it with a, a shotgun. And I thought it was pretty cool uh, the way they set up everything. It was such a badass scene. Yeah, definitely a shout out to the editing. As soon as the movie ended and I was thinking, man, that, it was really a, a really quick movie. But the pacing is really on point. And especially when they have two or three perspectives going on at the same time and editing back and forth, there you run that danger of losing that pace um, when you don't want it to, especially when the suspense is building up. You don't want to cut to a different uh, scene and have it uh, the suspense drop off. But luckily, in the way that they edited this movie... That it actually enhanced the suspense, and you got even scared even more when you cut to everything happening in tandem, and you just the buildup is like the the editing to the buildup is really good. Yeah, it, I felt like everything was interconnected, um, and obviously, you know, I, I felt like they did a, a, another good job of that later on in the, in the movie. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, I, I do want to give that honorable mention. You were talking about the prologue day one. I dude, that was that in that scene was so intense. And especially when you got that perspective of being in the car with, uh, with Evelyn. And then I forget the name of the younger brother that died in the first one yeah, with, uh, with Marcus. Yes. I tried to look it up, but then I got lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same, same. But, uh, I just thought that that part was so crazy. I think they showcased that in the, in the, in the trailer. So, uh, I just want to give that honorable mention. Uh, let's get into our next award. Uh, you know, it's one of our, um, kind of our staple, uh, awards that we do give out the, I am Groot award for, favorite character so who is your winner i think uh my favorite character in this movie would still be the mom uh evelyn abbott and like you said she's a badass it kind of reminds me of uh sarah connor and um it's almost like a mix of t1 and t2 where yeah. she's still like the um, still kind of innocent but then she's really having to learn learn quick how to survive mm-hmm. i'm getting those vibes the sarah connor vibes and obviously, dude, she 
she's still like if you think about it she still just gave birth like yeah. recently and she's carrying like um the crib a, a baby and a shotgun at the same time shotguns are not like light to carry <laughs> and so for her to do all this and take care of her kids i think it's still crazy yeah i i <laughs> i really I, I like emily blunt um she was in uh, Edge of Tomorrow, right? Yeah, dude, we need to see uh, the sequel to Edge of Tomorrow. Her yeah. and Tom Cruise got a return. Yeah, ever since that movie, I've been like such a huge fan of Emily Blunt, and obviously she was so good in uh, the first uh, Quiet Place and and this one, and and I uh, I have no arguments with you there. She just, I mean, just like those. Um, those close-ups, you know, with the shotgun. Yeah. I mean, you're spot on with the comparison with Sarah Connor. Um, I, it, it brought me back to remember kind of near the end of T2 when she's got the whole thing and she's like pumping the shotgun or whatever. And she's shooting the T1000. And I was yeah, like, damn, yeah. that was pretty. And then you could see like her, like her guns and everything. I felt like Emily Blunch has always been in really good shape and she's a, a, a good, action star uh for female not even just for female but just in general you know what i mean yeah that's what i'm saying man she's the had the angel of verdun so you gotta (laughs) come on get that edge of tomorrow too up in uh development hopefully for sure dude i i haven't seen that movie in a long time i need to go see that again Mm -hmm. gotta do that gotta get that blu-ray at least that's what i'm telling myself there you go. <laughs> well, my winner for the I'm Groot Award is uh, actually Evelyn's daughter, Regan, um, who is played by Millicent Simmons. And, I, you know, I just love her story arc. And obviously she had like a completely different story arc. It was that whole relationship with her dad. Uh, but I love the fact that she just pick up the mantle. We were talking about how um, Emmett kind of played, uh, you know, just that uh you know, that male older figure or whatever uh, of the movie. But I love the fact that she just took what her dad started, you know, like her dad's research, you know, of of where to find like, you know, a safe haven or whatever. She took it further because, you know, that's generally how families really work. You know, our parents, you know, uh, set the bar or whatever in, you know, the children, it's up to them to kind of further the family legacy and kind of take it to another level. And I felt like, um, Regan definitely did that. I mean, she was always trying to, you know, help out her family, her mom, you know, her uh, her brothers, in, in, in trying to figure out, you know, a ways, you know, a way for them to to survive. And she was the one that was able to kind of decode that, um, I guess that radio, the radio signal that yeah, the you know, song, that, that, that song, right? It, it it's got to be something other than um just like oh it's just a random song and i and i love how emmett was the one that validated her story arc by saying remember that one scene when they were on the island or whatever and they had that emotional talk about how you know she was really the one that was most like her dad lee you know and i was like damn that's kind of giving me the feels you know because it's like you know that she would always felt like the like the person that was being blamed for the loss of her younger brother, you know what I mean, from the first movie. And I felt mm-hmm. like um this movie, you know, you could definitely tell this was a coming of age um story arc for her. And plus, dude, at the end, to be able to put like the um 
was it the hearing aid feedback thing and have it so that it, it it's broadcast uh, along the the radio waves and, and and it ends that scene ends and basically the movie ends with her like beating that creature down with her bare hands not even with a shotgun yeah. with her bare hands I was, oh well not her bare hands but with a weapon I was, I was like damn okay i see you regan yeah and that was i totally agree with you man like her character arc uh, when you compare it to the first one, I feel like for the first one, it's like, oh man, sometimes she has some questionable decisions, just like Marcus. <laughs> yeah. But in this one, she definitely picked up, um, you know, the responsibility set by, uh, you know, her dad Lee. Lee. Yeah. And obviously, when <laughs> freaking Marcus again, he's like, no, don't go out there. You gotta, you gotta stay here where it's safe and all that stuff. But then she's like, oh, but we got. We have the power to stop them. We gotta, we gotta use it. We gotta spread it out there, and get somewhere, you know, where it'll be useful. And you know, that's when when she said that, it's like, oh man, she's definitely like her dad. And yeah, I definitely got a little bit like, ah, oh, dang, mission missing uh, John Krasinski. John Krasinski, right there. I know, I know, and you know, he did a, a really good job in terms of raising the kids and everything, and it really does show uh, with Regan um, how she. Definitely, definitely grew up so quick, so much between uh, A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place Part 2. So that's why I'm actually speculating for the third one <laughs> that Marcus is going to be like our favorite character. <laughs> He's going to go through some crazy uh, character arc, man. I feel like, you know, this this second one where's the one where he totally hit rock bottom makes every single mistake that he can <laughs> hey and but then, you know he, he was he was already like kind of redeeming himself at the end he totally redeemed himself <laughs> exactly man. like the, the ending was the start of his his redemption i'm hoping because we, we can't get another movie of that man that's unacceptable <laughs> dude he's gonna be such an old man already by the time like at this pace he's gonna have like a beard and stuff you'll have a uh emmett style beard <laughs> yeah it's like the freaking stranger things kids i know they're growing up too fast for sure uh let's get into our next award uh we're giving out and we haven't given out this award in a while it's the stanley award for best cameo but you know what let's do this with a little bit of a twist usually you know we usually have this reserved for uh actors and everything that it's like hey i know that person uh but you know what let's open it up uh, to not only people, but also something that was a callback to the first movie. And so who is your Stanley Award winner, Jeremy? For me, <laughs> when I was like really like pointing at the screen was um, when they showed the, the spaceship toy yeah. in, the, in the grocery store. Yeah. In the in the prologue, I was like, ah, oh, there's that spaceship thing that totally gets that kid killed later. Um, <laughs> I know, I felt so bad at Cause that's how the movie started. Um, the first one. Yeah, I was like, ah, I guess uh, questionable decisions just running these kids. <laughs> it's like, don't put the batteries in uh, the freaking spaceship, and then they did. So, yeah, but I I've got definitely um, that opening sequence vibes again from the first one when I saw that that spaceship toy. I know. I felt so bad. I felt really sad uh, because. Man, when when they opened that movie with a child death, I was like, "Dang, man!" I'm <laughs> like, dark, really fast. Man. Yeah, for sure. I was like, "Dude, where is this movie going?" Because honestly, I I went into watching a Quiet Place, 
uh, not knowing really anything. I didn't really watch like the, uh, uh, the trailer or anything too much. And so I went in basically cold Turkey and, and, and I'm kind of glad that I did. Well, my winner for the Stanley award winner. And, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if you remember, um, I pointed him out. It was, uh, well, the actor's name is, I think it's Jimon Hunsu. I, I probably butchered that. But he is the one who plays, and I looked up on, looked him up on IMDb. He's known as Man on Island, <laughs> and so uh, for those of you who don't know Jamon uh, Jamon Hunsu, he's famous for being there when Peter Quill makes his official introduction as Star Lord, and his character Korath says, "Who?" <laughs> and so I remember when he showed up, I, I turned to Jeremy and I was like, "Who?" <laughs> I, yeah, definitely. Like he's underrated, man. I feel like he's in so many projects yeah. that he he always stands out whenever he is on screen. I was a bit sad that he wasn't on screen for longer. <laughs> yeah, he uh, kind of bit the dust. Yeah, I'm like, dang, that's it. That's all you got. At least survive for the next movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a bit sad that they kind of killed him off really quick, but yeah, what out of all the actors that uh, appeared, I was like, oh, it's that guy. Yep. Yep. He was definitely one of those where you point and you're like, oh, it's that guy. And now we get like the if we do watch it a second time, it's like, oh, hey, it's Man on Island. (laughs) (laughs) Man on Island. How come they couldn't even give him a name, man? I know. Jeez. Not like Tom Henchman. (laughs) Or freaking Ricky's friend. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. For those who don't know the inside jokes. Uh, we got a friend who's actually on IMDb, and he's credited as Ricky's friend, right? Is it Ricky's friend or Ryan's friend? Ryan, it's yeah. Ryan's friend, I think. Oh, Ryan's friend? Okay, my bad. <laughs> yeah, and I think another uh, role, he plays Ricky. I think that's why we mix, <laughs> we mix the two up. I don't know. We'll never get it right for sure. I know. We got to probably look that up on IMDb. Well, anyway, let's get into our next award. Uh, you know, we, it's one of our favorites. We give out the Avengers Assemble Award for favorite scene. And so, Jeremy, which scene are you giving this award to? Dude, uh, I I thought about giving it to the opening scene, but I'm going to give it to the one where the humans uh, jump Regan and Emmett. Because mm. that scene, like you said, is hella suspenseful. They just get jumped out of nowhere. I thought it was going to be monsters and all that stuff, but obviously you got um, basically other humans trying to just like kill them and yeah. basically going to hang him and uh, set a trap for the creatures and obviously take away um, Regan to do whatever. But I love, like we, we talked about it after the movie, just the way that it kind of just went down and the, the callback of uh, Emmett telling uh regan to dive Dive, into the water yeah and obviously going through all that him stabbing the guy was so good and then but also emmett being in the water while still and kind of have the having a noose around his neck while the freaking monsters uh ripping the other guys to shreds i thought was a really good scene yeah, I like I even like the like the setup. They use that little girl where it's like, oh, they're you know, they, obviously they're going to help her help her out. I was like, dude, what's oh, it's like, oh, man, there's a little girl just in the middle of nowhere. And then she's the one that actually was the set the trap. And I was like, dang, that's pretty crazy. Did not yeah, see that coming. That's messed up, man. They must be, I don't know, messing with that girl and all that stuff to make her do that. Because 
I was like, oh man, here we go. Emmett might die here. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was, I, I was waiting for it, man. But yeah, that that was so intense. I mean, ugh, I, I could not relax throughout that entire, uh, however long that lasted, because obviously, we, I mean, I talked about it in that first award. They spliced everything together. And I, I, I don't know. I probably had really sweaty palms during that scene. <laughs> I know. I was getting like in uh, suspenseful scenes like that. You start getting hot and sweaty. Yeah. So tense. Can't breathe. It was so good. Uh, well, my winner for the Avengers Assemble Award is actually, um, it actually started on the island. And it's when Emmett discovers that abandoned boat from the dock was actually uh, was uh, kind of just oh, <laughs> was out of nowhere. And, and he's like, Oh shit. <laughs> I'm like, one of, the, one of those, one of those creatures is on the Island. And so he's, I don't know. It was weird how he was kind of climbing up some sort of cliff or whatever. And then when he finally makes it up, he's just like run. He's like, get inside. He's just, I don't know. I forgot what he was saying, but he was just like trying to warn everyone. And then as, as he's running towards, um, you know, obviously Regan or, uh, obviously the friends that he, that he made on the Island, then you see these creatures just wiping out just random people. I was like, damn, it was pretty crazy. And, you know, it was, um, you know, and that whole scene, it just kind of continues. And it obviously continues into the radio station. And dude, I felt like that whole radio station scene was just, I thought it was pretty creative the way they were able to connect the whole siblings and everything. Cause obviously um, Marcus you know, was told to keep listening to the radio station. He had the headphones in and to have Regan come up with that idea to, you know, put the, the hearing aid and I, I will see if she just ends up living, leaving it there, um, you know, for potential part three to be able to have that whole kind of back and forth with Regan, just beating the shit out of the, uh, the creature with that stick or whatever it was. And then for, um, Marcus to kind of redeem himself to have the radio and holding it out and just busting it out with the with the gun and everything and getting his first kill essentially uh, just like Dieter last week <laughs> I just thought it was pretty cool to be able to have um, those two story arcs of the kids and, and you could see now that they would be able to kind of carry a potential part three and yeah, man I totally agree and when that that scene when uh Emmett's like screaming to everyone get inside and all that stuff. It kind of reminds me of, uh, I don't know, Alien. Like just the way the Alien, uh, you think it's dead, you think you're safe, but it, you it's always there. And that's what those those creatures kind of remind me of, man. Yeah, dude. It was that's so what makes good. them so scary. <laughs> I know. Oh, and uh, there's also that one lingering unanswered question that we'll probably never know. Are those two kids still hiding in the closet? <laughs> I know, seriously. They were like, I didn't hear. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we're, we see them regroup on that island for the next movie. And maybe we'll get an answer to that. <laughs> yeah, they're like maybe. older. They like their voices change and everything. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's played by the, uh, the, 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 the son now. Maybe is played by the older actor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by his dad. <laughs> It's boy on island. <laughs> Is it really on IMDb? No, I don't know. Because okay. <laughs> I figured his dad was man on island. <laughs> possibility son on island, maybe. Yeah, son on island. 
Oh, man. Well, Jer- Jeremy, we've got to the part where it's our favorite part of the episode. It's the Guess the Rotten Tomato score. And in, uh, I guess, in recent weeks, I finally kind of closed the gap. I'm getting a little bit closer. Currently, Jeremy's still up on season two, seven to six. And uh, like we mentioned last week, we are going to finally get that championship belt. So uh, stay tuned for an update on that eventually when we get uh, finally get that belt ordered and delivered to us and so jeremy would you like to take that first crack on a quiet place part two my guess is going to be 87 percent. oh it's so anticlimactic i kid you not (laughs) i'm at 87 percent too no no way dude i was trying to get a bigger lead Yeah, for those of you who are tuning into our podcast for the very first time, we come up with the uh, our guesses for the guest Rotten Tomato score separately. We reveal them, and there are times where we do guess the same. And in this, I guess, instance, we are going to get um, points for both of us. So I guess the updated score is now 8 to 7, Jeremy. So, Damn. man, that sucks. Uh, very anticlimactic. You know what? Let, let me look up the score. Um, so let's go to RottenTomatoes.com. I'm guessing it's on the front page. And A Quiet Place. Oh, no. That's the first one. Let me just search for it. All right. A Quiet Place Part 2, 2021. Ooh, we're pretty close. Tomato meter of 90%. No, 90? Ah, oh, damn. Yeah. Damn. I, I knew I should have gone a little higher. Damn it. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, do you want to guess the audience score? Uh, 93. Ooh, you're really close. 94. Okay. Yeah. So um, I guess they do agree with us. Well, we'll see uh, in terms of uh, an actual number because our final award of the episode is the I Love You 3000 award where, uh, award where we rate... The movie, and in this case, A Quiet Place Part 2, a rating between 1 and 3,000. So, Jeremy, what would you rate it? Uh, I would rate it 2460 out of 3,000. So, that's about 82%. If I were to kind of compare that to the first Quiet Place, I would probably put the first Quiet Place around high 80s. And then this one, like, you know, 82. Okay. I I think um, I'm thinking the same in, in, in regards to I like the first one better. But I felt like the the gap is a little bit closer than you. Um, so I guess my rating for A Quiet Place Part 2 um, is a 2589 for 86.3%. So slightly below my guess hmm. on the Rotten Tomatoes. And this is actually a really good score for me. I felt like this was definitely a worthy sequel. Yeah, dude, for sure. I was not disappointed. Uh, same, same. Plus, there was no filler. Again, 90... Uh, 90 minutes of just straight like suspense, which was nice. So, Jeremy, before we close out uh, this week's episode, do you want to preview next week's episode? Yep. Next week, a young drummer attends a cutthroat music conservatory where he meets an instructor who will stop at nothing to realize a student's potential in 2014's Whiplash. Ooh, man, this... I only watched this movie kind of recently, I guess um, the the end of last year. And right when I saw this movie, I was like, I need to show this to Ken in season two for sure. I think you're going to like it. 
it's very intense <laughs> for it being a music movie. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I like intense movies. <laughs> and so you couldn't breathe this week. I don't think you're going to be able to breathe next week either. Oh man. Um, is it currently streaming somewhere? And if not, uh, where do you think, uh, where do you suggest people watch it? I think, uh, right now it's streaming on stars. So do what I did and do like a, Seven-day free trial, see if you like it. That's what I would do. I think I'm going to try to buy the Blu-ray for uh, for Whiplash. So I can watch it this week. Oof. Yeah, that would be a good one. But, uh, yeah, because I, I keep hearing good things about it. Obviously, it got really good reviews when it did come out. Uh, you said 2014, right? Yeah, 2014, same year as Nightcrawler. That, I didn't see this movie in theaters. And I'm just going to say you're going to love J.K. Simmons. Mm. Oh, I always like J.K. Simmons though. He's always, he's always yeah, he's always good. He he plays his character. He knows his lane. You know what I mean? He does it really well. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, uh, Jeremy, do you have anything to plug for the next uh, upcoming week? Yeah, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at JP underscore flicks. Yeah, and you can also follow me on Instagram, also on Twitter, same handle, keep it simple, at FreeKenA, and both of our, I guess, handles are going to be uh, in the spelling of the episode notes. And so, uh, any final thoughts on A Quiet Place Part 2 before we wrap things up? I actually hope that they get a, a Quiet Place Part 3 up pretty soon, because if you think about it, the first one was released in 2018, and they, they were about to release the second one two years later. So that's a pretty fast turnaround time. I'm hoping that they already have A Quiet Place Part 3 ready to go into production or something like that. Because I'm now really looking forward to the third one. I know, because you're looking for that uh, MVP, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> He, I mean, he doesn't have to redeem himself as long as, uh, you know, Regan still gets a good storyline. I think that's that's like the main thing. She's like the main star of the movie most of the time. Watch. We're expecting this huge story arc. He's going to bust out and just uh, go like, hey, that he dies in the, in the prologue. Pro- <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, dang. That's just uh, Regan and her mom. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, girls rule all, apparently. <laughs> Oh man. So Jeremy, um, well, I had a, I had fun. I mean, it was, it was such an intense movie. It was, it was a a perfect movie going experience. You know, we got to, you know, I guess watch it with a lot of, uh, uh, other vaccinated people or whatever. Um, and, uh, it, it was, it's definitely a recommend to be able to watch it in theaters, get that full, theater experience this is definitely one of those uh movies that you do have to see john krasinski even gives one of those kind of introductions before the movie it's like hey yeah welcome back um to watching movies at the theater yeah i kind of i always expect when they have those little directors thing at the beginning of the movie where they say hi and thank you for watching the movie for him to just like automatically come out from the side like i'm actually here but then you get disappointed and then the movie just starts yeah, well, definitely didn't get John Krasinski at, in San Bruno uh, last <laughs> Friday, so that sucks for us. But uh, again, thank you all again for listening and supporting the Weekly Real podcast, and we'll see you next time on the Real. <laughs> <laughs>